Hello everyone, Scott here with a quick introduction to the episode you're about to listen to. One of my hopes for this podcast was to have the opportunity to interview Christian thinkers, Christian leaders about theology, about Christian living, about relevant topics for our day. And so last week I had the opportunity to do this for the first time. I sat down with Dr. David Van Drunen to talk about the recent vaccine mandates and how, as Christians, we can and should think through those. I give Dr. Van Drunen an introduction in the podcast, so I won't do that here. But I will say I thought our conversation was very helpful. I've always found Dr. Van Drunen to be a very clear thinker. And so I hope you find that engaging. I'll also say by way of introduction, our conversation went over 60 minutes. And so I ended up breaking it into two episodes. So you will notice at the end of this episode, it ends rather abruptly. The second part I will release in the next episode and it will pick back up. In this first part of our conversation, which you're about to hear, we focus our our comments specifically on the idea or really on the question of religious exemptions or accommodations to the vaccine mandates. Uh, Do Christians, by virtue of our Christian faith, have a valid reason to ask for an exemption? Should we ask our employer or our church to write us letters uh, based on our Christian faith? So this is an important topic. It's extremely relevant right now. And so we talk about this issue first. I hope you find it thought-provoking and ultimately helpful as you wrestle through these things and, and what it means to live faithfully in our world today. Thanks for listening. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the No Lasting City podcast. My name is Scott Corian, your host, and today I'm really excited. I have a special guest uh, with us on the podcast. Dr. David Van Drunen is joining me uh, on this call from uh, all the way from Southern California. Uh, Professor Van Drunen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, just for uh, those who may not know, uh, uh, Dr. Van Drunen is the Professor of Systematic Theology and Christian Ethics at Westminster Seminary, California, which, of course, uh, some of you know, uh, that is where I went to seminary, uh, graduated about 10 years ago. It's hard to believe. Time flies. But uh, so so uh, Dr. Van Drunen was one of my professors there. Uh, we got to know each other there. We've had something, is it fair to say, uh, Dave, we've had something of a uh, competitive but friendly relationship. I think I would characterize it as me uh, pushing you around the tennis court pretty easily, and then you narrowly eking out victory on the golf course. Is that is that sound accurate to you? Um, now, how many times have you beat me on the golf course? <laughs> uh, I said you narrowly eke out victories. Yeah, after every, I did you, e- e- every, every after time. I did you ten or twenty strokes. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, for those related, you, you you do always kill me. But I've enjoyed that time uh, because we often get to have some good conversations, in, including uh, me getting to pick your brain about uh, some of the things I, I wanted to ask you about today. So really appreciate your time and, and uh, you joining me for this call. And the, the topic of the day is uh, all of the stuff going on with the, the vaccine mandates, uh, which I'm sure uh, you're not only aware of, 
but you've probably already fielded a, a lot of different questions for, for our listeners. You, um, uh, Professor Van Drunen is the guy that that I talk to and call for answers to hard questions. He's just, uh, Dave, I've found you to be very thoughtful and just a good, clear thinker on just how Christians respond, um, you know, just in theology in general, but certainly Christian ethics. And you've actually written a book on that, which I remember reading in seminary and finding very helpful. So um, wanted to ask you about this. Now, there's, there's a couple layers to this that I was hoping we could chat about uh, for just a few minutes. Um, the first has to do with the issue of religious exemptions to the recent uh, vaccine mandates. And I, I think, uh, Dave, I was sharing with you uh, last time we talked a week or two ago about the fact that uh, this is becoming a big issue uh, for, for those who may not know, you know, I am a reserve military chaplain in the Air Force. And uh, it, it was just very recently that uh, President Biden uh, mandated that everyone in the Department of Defense, you know, is going to get the vaccine and talking with other chaplains. It, that is, uh, as far as I can tell, the immediately become the number one religious accommodation request that members of the armed forces are asking you know, for chaplains. That's one of the duties of a chaplain. You 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 handle any religious accommodation request, which is basically someone saying, you know what, I know this is policy, but I cannot meet that policy because of my my religious obligations or my religious beliefs. So it's something very personal, you know, this issue. I'll probably have to deal with it personally. Um, and I think I mentioned to you, Dave, the endorser uh, for all Presbyterian and Reformed chaplains like myself, uh, certainly most of the guys in the PCA, I, I believe the OPC guys would probably be through uh, the same endorser, put out a letter a few weeks ago to the effect of just recognizing, hey, we're getting flooded with requests for for how to handle these questions about a, a religious exemption to the vaccine mandate. And sounds like a lot of chaplains themselves want, uh, want blanket, uh, a blanket endorsement from the denomination so that they don't have to get it. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure uh, most of our listeners are seeing this discussion is now playing out. It's not just in the military, it's happening at the local church level. Uh, because of course, some of the recent mandates affect not just Department of Defense, but hundreds of millions uh, of Americans who are part of businesses. And so I know, Dave, you've probably had conversations, I want you to share in a minute, that that many parishioners are asking church leaders to provide some sort of written letter uh, stating, uh, giving them an exemption to, to taking shots. And some are doing that, but others are pushing back. I mean, I've, I've been following the news a little bit, and some denominations are making statements, like, like uh, I recently read about the Greek Orthodox Church, um, putting out a statement essentially saying we're not giving any exemptions. Uh, there, there's no reason to give that for uh, uh, to be free from vaccination for religious reasons. Uh, I think the Catholic Church has put out something similar, the Lutheran Church. Uh, and then you've got other churches that are giving these letters. And, and so this is a big topic right now that uh, I, I think is not going to go away. And so, Dave, curious as to your thoughts on, on this particular part of, of the mandate, uh, if, if you'd weigh in here. Do, 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 do you think Christians have a valid religious reason not to take uh, any of the COVID-19 vaccines? Uh, should churches be issuing letters to their congregants, giving them you know authority to, to not get it? I mean, and is it even helpful to frame this as a religious liberty issue? 
So I realize I, I've just put a lot at you there, but curious as to some of your thoughts on that. Yes, uh, you have put a lot before me, and uh, I will try to give a few thoughts uh, on this. I mean, I, I guess I would just say, first of all, um, you know, this is a difficult issue. I mean, there's a sense in which uh, I think it's very understandable in which Christians have some different opinions on vaccines and the desirability of getting vaccines. Uh, it's it's understandable that Christians have different views of the extent of government authority, uh, just how much uh, can or should a government do in response to a public health crisis. Uh, so with that background, uh, I do have to say that I'm quite skeptical about the whole religious uh, exemption idea with respect to these vaccine mandates that have been uh, coming out recently. Now, I, I think it is possible uh, to imagine how, at least in certain religions, uh, there might be a valid religious exemption. I mean, there could be a religion uh, that contains as part of its tenets uh, the idea that vaccines are uh, something immoral and that any person who is devoted to this particular religion uh, is conscientiously bound not to get a vaccine. So that's possible. But what I would say, since we're talking in a Christian context, and then specifically we're talking about a reformed or Presbyterian context, I would say there's, there's nothing specifically in our religious, our theological beliefs that demands that a person not get a vaccine. Uh, now, I, I, I was saying a moment ago, I can understand uh, why Christians can have different opinions on vaccines and the desirability of getting a vaccine. So there are some Christians uh, who uh, don't want to get the uh, one of the COVID vaccines because uh, they don't think it's been properly tested. Uh, it hasn't gone through enough time of seeing what the long-term results are. Uh, maybe they're uh, skeptical about the, uh, the efficacy of these uh, vaccines. Now, we could have a discussion about how accurate uh, those, those beliefs or ideas are, but I think we'd have to say that those are not those are not theological or religious convictions; those are medical judgments. Uh, and so Christians uh, can certainly have different different opinions about medical issues, but that doesn't uh, that's not a religious conviction that one may not get this vaccine. Uh, now, there's there's also the political dimension, right? So there are some Christians uh, who don't want to get uh, the COVID vaccine uh, or at least to, to get one when mandated by the government because they think this is government overreach. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a tyrannical rather than a lawful act of the government. Now, we could again argue uh, about whether that is uh, 
whether that's a proper, helpful, accurate view. But I would say, again, that's not really a theological or religious judgment that derives uh, or that is is in some way uh, taught as part of our Christian religion. That's taught as part of our Reformed or Presbyterian confessions. That's a political judgment. Uh, and I think the vast majority of people uh, would affirm that the government has some responsibilities within the realm of public health and safety. And there are different there are different judgments that different people make, including different Christians make, as to just how far that jurisdiction ought to extend. But the idea that the government uh, might take some action, and in some cases, some uh, some pretty strong action to avert a public health or safety crisis. Uh, that's not something that uh, we as Christians, or specifically we as Reformed Christians, uh, believe is somehow contrary to our faith, that we are required by our faith to resist that. So I think maybe I will leave things there for now, and you can follow up if you wish. But maybe I could summarize it this way, is that Okay, I think there may be medical reasons for Christians not to want the vaccine. There may be political reasons that they might want to resist a vaccine mandate. But to say that my religion uh, does not does not allow me conscientiously to get this vaccine, um, I don't think that's accurate. So um, I, I remain unpersuaded that this is actually um, something that Christians ought to be seeking or that churches ought to be encouraging. Yeah, thanks. That's uh, that's very, very helpful. I mean, that 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 does align with how I've been thinking through this myself. I mean, the few people that I've talked to about this, I've basically said, I mean, the military just re does require you to have certain vaccines already to, to join. I, I think one of them is measles. I, I can't remember. And my comment has been, I mean, it, I mean, do we have a religious reason? I mean, if we basically, if, if we didn't request a religious accommodation for those, does, then it's hard to make the case now uh, that there's a religious reason not to get some other. So I, I like the, the clarity you put. I mean, there may be some other reasons why we wouldn't get this one, but it's really hard just based on our Christ, uh, Christian faith and theology uh, to make the case that, you know, we, we should be granted some sort of religious accommodation uh, specifically, you know, for, a va for any vaccine, I, I guess. Um, right. I mean, I, I think it's helpful to keep in mind that when someone, when someone appeals to the government as a conscientious objector, they're really saying that I am, I cannot in good conscience, because of my religious convictions, I cannot do this or that. And that makes sense. Uh, say if we have, you know, if we're fighting a war and someone is drafted into the military, we don't have a draft anymore, but this of course was a very relevant thing when we, when, when we had a draft, um, there are religions, uh, including some branches of the Christian tradition uh, that were pacifistic, right? And so there are some people who simply believe that they cannot in good conscience because of their religion uh, fight 
in a war. And that that makes sense. And even if we don't agree with a pacifist position, um, we can understand how that counts as a religious exception or exemption. Uh, I just don't think we can say the same thing uh, here uh, in this present case. Yeah. Could you touch on, uh, Dave, the, the one thing I've read and have heard that, that seems to me to have the most potential weight as far as a religious reason would be uh, just kind of the, the concern about the use of uh, stem cells from uh, aborted babies is used as part of the testing of these vaccines. Could, could you touch on that? I mean, how, how, how should Christians think about that? Um, how much weight does that have in this, in this context? Yes, uh, sure. Uh, I, I would agree with you that this is probably the most plausible reason uh, that a Christian might think it's valid to seek a religious exemption, because I think you, you can say that uh, given our religious convictions, uh, we are opposed to abortion uh, and we don't want to in some way participate uh, in the practice of abortion. So uh, I do think that that's worth considering. Now, uh, my, my basic response would be um, that that though it was of course a terrible thing that back um, 40, 50 years ago uh, that uh, these babies were aborted uh, and uh, we want to confess that we don't want to to tamp that down at all. I think it's very important to say that there is uh, there's a real distance. There's there's quite an enormous distance uh, from that terrible act a long time ago, from uh, receiving a vaccine today uh, that has used the stem cell lines from uh, these aborted uh, babies. Now, you may have heard this analogy uh, that that some people have used that I think is rather helpful uh, that if you know you were waiting for a kidney transplant and there was someone who was murdered uh, and uh, that person's uh, kidney uh, became available for you uh, would you refuse to get that kidney transplanted in you because you're opposed to murder uh, and I think the instinctive answer that everyone would have is, well, no, um, receiving that kidney uh, had, I mean, this, this really has nothing to do with the fact that this person is, uh, has just been murdered. Um, I mean, it, would, it might be different if you actually paid a hitman to kill this person's <laughs> kidney. Right, right. Well, if you if you, if you if you murdered the person, that might or, be morally or problematic. Or murdered the person, right, <laughs> right. I mean, that would be different, but that's not what we're talking about. And I think it's it these these babies that were aborted uh, decades ago uh, were not aborted for the purpose of making these vaccines or other vaccines or for medical research uh, at all. Um, and so I think that's one very important thing to remember. Um, these are stem cell lines. They're not actually cells from these aborted fetuses that are being used. 
their use does not require further abortions. There have not been any abortion, uh, abortions that have been procured uh, for the purpose of these uh, vaccines. So, I mean, you know, there's there's probably more that we could talk about uh, uh, with this, but you know, when when Christians historically have thought about issues of complicity with evil, and and that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, we we understand that we Christians have to live and operate within a sinful world. Uh, we're not called to uh, just isolate ourselves from the world, not to interact with any uh, non-Christian people. Uh, we have to live in this world, and yet we don't want to be complicit in, uh, we want to keep a distance from uh, their evil acts. And as Christians have thought through historically, how do we deal with this? One of the important categories is uh, the category of proximity, or how close are we to this evil? And I think in light of what I was just saying, uh, I think we have to say that actually there's quite a far distance between that act of abortion and uh, our getting a COVID vaccine. Uh, it's a great distance uh, and we are not responsible for that, that evil. And in fact, we're not even encouraging the evil of abortion uh, by getting this vaccine. And if I could just note one more thing, uh, if, if a person rejects the, uh, this reasoning, if, if a person is really serious about the idea that um, getting this COVID vaccine somehow makes one complicit with that act of uh, abortion back decades ago, I would suggest that that person probably cannot live at all in the society in which we live. Um, there are just so many things every day that we do or that we use that have so much greater proximity to evil than this that I, I just don't think a person could live consistently uh, with that kind of uh, position. Hmm. Uh, that's that's you know, very I, interesting. So, you know, I mean, just to say, I mean, I mean, how many of your listeners use Facebook? I don't use Facebook, but I bet probably the vast majority of your listeners use Facebook. Well, I would suggest that there is probably a, every time you use Facebook, you are you have much greater proximity uh, to some pretty bad things than you do by getting uh, a COVID vaccine. And that's just one example. I mean, if, you know, if we were really attentive to the things that went into the food that we eat or the clothes that we wear, um, the websites that we visit, I mean, I, you know, we would, uh, I, I don't know, I, if we were gonna apply these same standards uh, that some people are trying to press with regard to the COVID vaccines, I think you'd have to just close up shop and mm. go uh, go off the grid and try to do some subsistence farming somewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I, I say that very honestly. And, and um, so I guess I will, I will leave those comments there. Yeah. That, that I think is an incredibly helpful point and uh, 
yeah, something we need to be thinking about. Along those lines, I did read a quote. This was in some of the national media from a fairly prominent, I believe he's a Southern Baptist pastor, but it seems to be along what you're talking about. Uh, and he said, there's no credible religious argument against the vaccines. Christians who are troubled by the use of fetal cell line for testing of the vaccines would also have to abstain from the use of Tylenol, Pepto-Bismol, ibuprofen, and other products that use the same cell line if they are sincere in that objection. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he seems to be making the same argument there, right? You, there's right. just really no way to, you know, if we're really going to be consistent, we need to be consistent. And That's that right. would, and most of us just aren't. We're not. Um, yeah, very. Uh, no, thank you for that. That's very, very helpful. I mean, I would say, you know, kind of bringing this first part of our discussion to to it an end, Dave. It, it seems to me that many people have, uh, including many Christians, have problems with the vaccine and the mandates in particular for other reasons, um, like you mentioned earlier, are exploring how to fight them and are are tempted to use a religious exemption as a way to try to fight that. In my opinion, as, as a pastor, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's ultimately in the best interests of Christianity um, to grant exceptions for things that we really shouldn't be just because we don't really want to get it. I think ultimately, uh, even if that's done with good intentions, it will undermine the credibility of the church uh, if we're granting religious exemptions for things that really we don't have a religious exemption for. And then when we actually need a religious exemption for something that's really uh, harmful to our faith and practice, which may be coming, uh, this is going to hurt us. When we go back, they're going to say, yeah, we don't take you seriously because you, you, you're not using these in a legitimate way or you haven't. So that's part of my concern too, is I want to protect yeah. the reputation of the, of the church um, and Christians in society. And I, I, I don't want to see our, our faith used in a way that, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of part of my concern in this as well. Yeah, I mean, it it makes perfect sense to me, and I I share a hundred percent that that concern. It's uh, you know when when people ask for religious exemptions, when it's not really a religious exemption, it is putting Christianity in a bad light. I I just don't see how we can avoid that that conclusion. For one thing, it's just not being honest. Um, I, I think you're exactly right that there are, there are other reasons people have for not wanting to get the vaccine. Those may or may not be legitimate reasons. Uh, but I think what, what people are doing is trying to find a way out. And what is the, what is the way out that seems to be most plausible? And that's to claim a religious exemption. Well, um, that's understandable. Uh, you try to take advantage of the loophole you have, but if you're being dishonest about it, it's going to it's going to put Christianity in a bad light. And so it's the kind of thing that for for those of us who don't believe, and I think that it actually is basically all of us who don't really believe that the Christian religion requires us, as a matter of conscience, not to get the vaccine, then. Um, I sort of feel like this is, uh, you know, this is, it. I, I, I don't know how to put this. I'm being dragged into uh, this, this miscommunication about what Christianity teaches, about what Christianity requires. And 
if we're if and we're doing this in a very public way and that's just putting christianity in a bad light and so uh, that's that that's one part of it and, and i think that would be bad enough but i think you also bring up that that other consideration is that you know it's it's very very possible that in the not too distant future um we could be faced with some things that that actually clearly are a matter of religious conscience. Uh, and do we really want to use and, and spend uh, all our ammunition on something that's sort of a pseudo uh, religious conscientious issue when um, we may have something that we all agree later, you know, really does implicate our our Christian faith. And I would think we would want to be in the best position possible uh, in order to uh, in order to, to try to deal wisely and effectively with those those things that may well be coming down the road.